0: Uh, welcome, everybody, to uh, the Bangers and Classics podcast um, with uh, me, James Rupper, who gives you no useful information whatsoever, and him, David Malloy, who's a of all knowledge, uh, even a font of all knowledge. Um, have you got any exciting news for us, David? I just wondered.
1: Uh, well, a couple of bits and pieces. Bangers and Classics quest that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks without telling too much um, taking a big step forward this week. As the bangers and classics will soon be afloat. But it's not afloat. We're not afloat yet. Uh, So we will have to wait until certain things are done before we're floating. I mean, it could happen overnight. We could get torrential rain here. And then then that's fine. Yeah, we're we're, we're, we're sorted for that. But um, in that sense, I'd like to sort of um, thank somebody. Uh, It's a chap called Carol Dimmant from Yeovil, thoroughly nice bloke who's been extremely helpful uh, in the search for a boat. Um, Carol's been brilliant. Uh, he's a car fan as well, I have to say. So, Carl, thank you very much. It's very much appreciated, mate.
0: Yeah, thanks very much, Carl, because now David can stop talking to me about boats, really. Not really, no,
1: no. no. <laughs> this is just, <laughs> <a> be- this <laughs> is just the beginning, my boy. There's more boat chat coming. Yeah, if you don't behave, you'll get yeah. keel-hauled, old boy, you know. Oh, right. Pre- press gang, you know, there's all sorts of things. Yeah. Mm. You do know that I was wanting to have was there, don't you? No, I, was, I had no idea. Before I was, no, th- thought, before no. I was thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my fault i mean anyone could just sort of reverse an aircraft carrier into a you know an island it's not
0: <laughs> that's right easily done
1: very easily done yeah so james anyway moving on from boats to cars you see any cars this week anything of interest
0: um well i always see things of interest which is good mm. um and but i've seen some very mm-hmm. uh uh ordinary things which which i think are Interesting. And um, there seems to be, uh, where I live, uh, an outbreak of uh, Ford Escort vans. I don't know the last mm. time you saw a Ford Escort van, uh, but there are still ones earning a living up here. Uh, they're either red or white. Uh, there's no in between. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, there's no sign writing on them, but they, but there's uh, sort of ladders involved. You can see there's stuff in the back. And there's people, you know, using these vans, which are, you know, a good... Uh, 25 years old um, right. if not if not more so you know hats off to them for doing it yeah
1: just a quick question though yeah uh, when you were spotting these fans, did mm. you spot there were any boiler suits and or flat caps involved uh
0: I didn't actually no. Uh, used to have a, um, uh, a member of the family who had one, and basically, yeah, that that was his uniform. Uh, mm-hmm. His red uh, escort van, uh, and he had a succession of red escort vans. And uh, we're never quite sure what what he actually did with his <laughs> red escort vans, but uh, uh, yeah, he did um, uh, he, he, he he did do it. And uh, no, they are, but they are you know sort of hardworking, you know, easy easy to look after. Will rust, um, uh, sort of vehicles apart from that it's just the glam stuff there seems to be an awful lot of people coming up here to drive morgans um i've seen a, a colossal amount of morgans and uh, it, it wasn't like it was a morgan meeting or anything but uh, just seen an awful lot of people out and about in their uh, uh um sort of faux 1930s uh, throwback vehicles when they've got v8 engines they do sound very nice i must say
1: mm. well you live in the posh part of the world james you know That's you, get, very nice, you, you so. get all of these things um you know, those of us in Spam Valley, you know, we, we, we might get a four Ford Escort van with two wheels missing or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I haven't seen anything. Um, Not a thing. I've been too busy with other stuff. Well, things, yeah. well not just boats. I mean, not, not just boats. Just lots of other things to do. And I haven't seen anything at all interesting. I have been looking out. Just not a thing. But not to worry. Uh, I'm sure that will change in time for next week. Um. So anyway, shall we kick on with this week's yep. banger or classic? And I think that's quite a, an interesting car this week, one that's in some ways is forgotten about to a certain degree, even though it was hugely successful, and that's the Peugeot 405. What are your thoughts
0: on that, James? Um, it was a rip special, wasn't it? Um, it was one of those cars that was either a saloon um, or it was an estate. Uh, most of them seemed to be saloons uh, when saloons were still quite fashionable. Um and they were you know very uh, very very affordable um you know they became used cars a few years after they were knocked off their fleets and uh they entered the uh, uh the realm of uh, uh the used car quite quickly um, hmm. and you know you could pick them up for the family uh, there were a lot of really basic spec ones around, I remember, at the time. But it was a good car to drive, and I think that's what sort of set it apart from uh, many other vehicles. I don't know if you ever had a had a go in one, David. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, James.
1: They're very good to drive. I mean, you're, and you're right as well, they were designed for the fleet market. Uh, they share the same floor pan as the Citroen BX, which, of hmm. course, really wasn't intended for the fleet market. 405 just kept it simple. Um, very simple pin and lines. Um, Conservative lines, well, they weren't groundbreaking. Stood the test of time fairly well. Mm. Look at the running gear. There's nothing extraordinary about that. Uh, For the most part, I'll come back to that in a minute, but it was generally tried and tested stuff. But what they did was they took a fairly conventional, fairly normal recipe, and they did it very well. They built it pretty well. They made it comfortable, and it drove so well. And, you know, won the European Car of the Year contest and amassed, I believe, the highest ever score in the contest history. So that's not bad. Goodness me, I didn't know that. Yeah, I had to write an article about one once. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so I'm looking through my notes for that. <laughs> I am I am cheating here. As, as, as you'd expect from me, of course, being a, mm. th- a thorough water, thoroughgoing water. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the other thing about the 405 was it gave rise to uh, the MI16 model, mm, um, which is yeah. the 1.9-litre 16-valve engine. And back in the day, there was a bit of competition between MI16 and the mm. Renault 21 Turbo. The Peugeot probably handled slightly better. The Renault had the power. It's an interesting matchup. And, you know, think about it, James. What would you rather drive? What would you rather have had back in the day?
0: Yeah, I would have gone for the Peugeot because I always just thought Renaults, you know, would explode, really. And, uh, you know, especially with the Turbo. So wrong. it would, really, really, yeah, really, well, of course I'm wrong, but uh, yeah, it would either rust or or do whatever. But yeah, I quite I quite like pugs myself.
1: Yeah, I like both, actually. But I, you know, I have hmm. to say, the Turbo Renaults I had were pretty good. The Mi16 wasn't the top model because they brought along the T16, only available in left-hand drive, and I think they made thousand and forty-six of them. T16 had it was turbocharged, had four-wheel drive, and thanks to a limited-time overboost facility, pumped out up to two hundred and seventeen horsepower. So it uh, <laughs> it wasn't slow. Let's put it that way. It shows how versatile the design was. It could go from you know, a very cooking family car, fleet car, to something a little bit more fire-breathing in the T16. And it achieved all of those things with ease, and uh, even was sold in Iran for many years after Peugeot, um stopped selling it in Europe. So, um, this had a very interesting and very long career, um, and for that reason, James, I have to say, I think it's a banger. No, 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 no. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I mean, classic. Yeah, someone held up the wrong cue card, and I think it's one of oh, Joe Biden's.
0: Is it? Is it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's very hard. I mean, again, it's, it's another one of those cars that we discuss and you do not see anymore. I cannot remember the last time that mm. I saw them and yet they used to be absolutely everywhere and, and on that basis alone, uh, it's something of a classic. But uh, as you pointed out, it was um, quite an exceptional ordinary car, really.
1: All mm. right, so we'll just take a quick break there. You're listening to Bangers and Classics, the podcast that goes where no other podcast goes, well, that's because they're too smart to go there. But nonetheless, the point remains. So welcome back after that short break. Uh, we're going to try something new here. Because uh, we always try things new on bangers and classics. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And when they don't work, it's always my fault. So I just want to sort of exculpate James if this doesn't work. Mm. Um, the idea is that we take a car, a time, a road and a song, combine them all together and we see why that particular car, that particular road, that particular song and in that particular time uh, meant something to us. And there's an idea you might want to think about yourselves. Anyway, Mr. Ruppert, do you want to kick off with this one?
0: well you can do um i mean it's an idea that you may well have uh copied from uh, uh the german car industry my part in its victory um where actually i started each um chapter um with um uh, you know a musical reference um because uh at the time um when i was flogging uh bmws for a living um that was quite an important part of it is uh yeah you would uh, buy a cassette uh uh, from our Price Records or Virgin um, uh, Mega Store uh, on a Monday, and you play it to death um, by the weekend uh, on your cassette player, uh, on your Alpine uh, deck or whatever deck it would be. Sometimes it was Radio Mobile, uh, sometimes it was Alpine. I think the Alpine's sold my mind. That was it. Yeah, or <laughs> well, the whole range of Blaupunks uh, <laughs> that you have. You could have a Blaupunk for various cities. um If you had a Blaupoint a Blaupunked New York, you were doing extremely well um i don't know whether that's the case anymore um but yeah so i am very much on board with uh, yes uh, 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 a track uh, and a car can uh, certainly uh, act as a time machine and uh, take you back to that uh, particular era or place Hmm. and uh, i've gone on for ages without telling you Um, What it would be, but actually it would be your fellow countrymen, um, Simple Minds, um, uh, uh, you know, um, up up on the catwalk. Um, I can remember uh, that uh, uh, blaring out uh, very noisily, uh, thumping uh, even uh, in the vehicle. Um, And uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was, I mean, I liked all the albums from that sort of early early to mid uh, 80s era before they sort of went a bit too poppy and too stadiumy really. Um but uh yeah, I mean yeah, stuff stuff like up on the catwalk uh from uh new 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 gold dream was a very ah, good uh, track. Yeah. Um but yeah, uh it would it, it would have been that for me. Um, uh, you know, that that takes me straight back there to um a very uh important and a uh, fun time of my life when hmm. uh uh in the passenger seat was a, a girl who looked like she was in banana rama probably. And <laughs> uh <laughs> and we were off to go and do something and uh, yeah it was great it was a, a wonderful time to be alive i was a very lucky person but uh, yeah um, uh, they were the soundtrack to my life at the time so
1: all right were, thank what, you thank what, what you very much what year mm.
0: would that have been james Eighty three, eighty four, 84, really. Yeah. Um, and, and the other people, actually, I quite like Scritti Balitti, which I, I don't think anybody's ever heard of. Um, I have, yeah. They were, yeah, they were fantastic. I used to like their stuff.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I never got used to the guy's voice. Uh, was yeah. it
0: Woodbees, wasn't it? Remember,
1: yeah, uh, that's uh, right, Woodbees,
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 I yeah remember Prima that. Franklin, yeah, uh, yep, uh, that that's was all it. Good
1: stuff. I always confused them in prefabs about, for some reason. Don't ask me why, but I did. Yeah. Um, what road would you have been driving, do you think, in that car when you were playing uh, that song? Well,
0: I could, yeah. I mean, it, it is. I mean, I, I would have been in the centre of uh, London, really, sort of Park mm. Lane. All the places you actually now can't drive, or you're stuck in, um, you know, a massive traffic jam the whole time. So, uh, you know, I'd been driving along Regent Street. I'd be uh, driving along Piccadilly, Haymarket, uh, Park Lane, uh, the Embankment. All, you know, all, all the iconic routes of London, which mm. have now been spoilt beyond all recognition and are utterly undrivable. Yeah, but. Uh, what car would you have had then? Golf? Uh, no, uh, that's um, for me. It was five series. I, I just had a whole string of uh, five series uh, E E twenty eight company cars. So I just had one after the other. I did start with the three series, um, but uh, after that, it was because they found uh, the five series was more challenging to sell. So there were a lot more of those about. So most most of us salesmen had um, uh, E E twenty eight. So uh, that's what I would have had. And I had, mm. uh, and the best one I had, I had a 525i uh, automatic, which was fantastic. Mm. In silver. Yeah,
1: no I, can't, I can't imagine the later 5
0: Series would have been hard to sell. The one that came along at no. the end of the 80s, that was a, a gorgeous-looking car. It was, yeah. the th- The thing was, they didn't change uh, when, from when it was the E twelve and then it became the E twenty eight. There wasn't much of a m- much of a change. It was more of an evolution. And yeah. I think that's why people just didn't, uh, you know, adopt it so so quickly. And that's why uh, the next model on from that, which was the E thirty four, they really raised raised the game uh, on that and made it, uh, you know, a, a very different, very good car. But uh, certainly, you know, the the E twenty eight was. Uh, Fantastic, and if you sold one, you know it would never come back to you. Uh, And there were some uh, fantastic ones like the the Etta, which was a car built for these times. uh, In that was uh, it was meant to be economical. I remember that, yeah, yeah. And you could get over uh, thirty miles to the gallon out of that quite easily. It was very easy to drive, and uh, it was very very quick. Actually, it was faster accelerating away from the lights um, compared to uh, something like a six three five. It had you know very low down uh, talk. It was um, a very good car.
1: Hmm. Yeah. You're you're saying about simple minds. Um, Yeah. I mean, I would say probably simple minds really started to deteriorate when the bass player left, Derek Forbes, or Mm. didn't leave. He was, uh, I think he was shown the door. I think it's probably fair to say. Yeah. Well, he says he was anyway. It's it's all ancient history now, of course. But it turns out when I was a student, my folks were leaving England to to come back up to Glasgow uh, to go to university. And couldn't find anywhere they wouldn't accommodate me in the halls because I was too old or whatever. I was, you know, Ooh. I was probably Mullen. I was over eighteen, so that was it. I was probably about twenty, twenty-one, and to find somewhere to live. So it was a basement sort of bedroom uh, in the quite posh part of Glasgow. And it turns out that about fifty yards away, just diagonally across the street, that's where Derek Forbes, the bass player of Simple Minds, lived. I never saw him, never knew at the time uh, he lived there, but uh, yeah, I did live quite close to him, very, very briefly. The idea for doing this came to me a couple of nights ago. I was driving home and, with really a nice evening, put the radio on. Local radio station they were playing 80s music. I thought, all right, that's okay, so I'll listen to it. And it struck me, I thought, hang on a second, I've heard this song, I've been in this movie before. I'm driving home, 80s music on, I'm driving a turbocharged Renault. Okay, this one's a turbo diesel, not the point, though. No? And it took me back to the late 80s when that's exactly what I'd been doing. It was a nice evening as well. And it took me back to a particular evening uh, in 1989, and the car I was driving was the was my first Renault 11 Turbo. It was a grey 11 Turbo. It was a wonderful car, really, really good as the first car because we're young and you're stupid, as I was, and maybe uh, maybe still be stupid. I'm not so young anymore, unfortunately. But it looked after me. It really looked after me very well, indeed. So I was driving home. I'd been down I think probably playing golf, and well. My mate was playing golf. I was whacking a ball with a bat, basically, around the place. It was pretty bad. And I was driving home the old A77 no longer, well, it still exists in part. And it's not a spectacular wood, not even a very special wood. But it was a nice evening, nice music on the car. Um, and the song I was playing was, that I can remember playing, was Duran Duran's The Chauffeur. Don't ask me why I was playing it, um, but it was just on tape I had. to put it on, and I got a feeling and I've never really quite shaken it to this day. I still remember it. There was almost a sort of magic in the air that evening, and you know, I could almost touch it, but it was just kind of out of reach. It was just the moment of the car, the music, probably the age I was, everything coming together. And it just felt a really special moment. Even though it was unremarkable in every measurable way, for some reason I can't explain it, it was special. Like everybody else back in the days, you know, I used to play a lot of 80s music, because it was the 80s, of course, and that's what you'd play. You'd play things like Def Leopard and Duran Duran, orchestral manoeuvres in the dark, you know, all sorts of stuff. And, of course, mustn't forget ZZ Top, James, or ZZ Top, as you call them. ZZ Top, very much Yeah, yeah. And It was a few years after uh, they had their sort of breakthrough, but I remember, you know, as I think I said last week, there was a time when you could walk around and every car with young guys in it, just about every car that would pass, it would be blaring out, sharp Dress man, or give me all your love or our legs. And, yeah, it was great. It was a great time. Bit of a reminiscence there, but if there's a car, a road, a song, time in your life that meant something special to you, let us know and we'll be happy to air it on the podcast.
0: Yeah, we but, would like to hear you know hmm. your favourite uh, Brotherhood of Man track uh, when you were when you were <laughs> cruising along in your Talbot Samba, you know, along the South End Seafront or something. That'd be good.
1: Renny and Manata possibly. Yeah. <laughs> could be them too. No. Or, or we could or we could we could really just go for the jugular here. Joe Dolce's musical theatre shut up in your face, the song that kept Vienna off number one. Yeah. How on earth did that happen?
0: Yeah. But <laughs> it's a travesty. See, but, but what you've done, David, is you've mentioned it, and now I won't be able to forget that for the rest of today now, will I? So Oh, well.
1: <laughs> you know? I think I should feel bad about that. You? Yeah. No, I, mean, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> 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 all right. That's all good. That's good. That's made my day now. I've, I've mm. given somebody else a year one. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure you'll get your own back, James. You always do. You know. thank you yes that's it well you know it's as my um as, as there's a saying up here say that's only loaned to you uh what that means is basically i'm gonna get my own back on you so you know you can you can be ahead at one point in time think you're doing well yeah uh, get one over somebody else and the chances are uh, karma will strike and you'll be in the receiving end next time moving swiftly on from that american station wagons yeah remember the classic station wagons you used to have james i do and
0: uh, yeah i I mean the thing is we do we do tell people to go and buy books and i've got probably the uh, the largest personal private collection of american (laughs) bar books i was wondering where that was going (laughs) and uh oh absolutely and uh but i can highly recommend if anybody if you if you've got a birthday coming up and uh, your auntie has said oh can i buy you a book for your for your birthday, you need cars of the sensational seventies. It's part of a series. There's fifties cars, sixty cars, seventy cars, eighties cars. But cars of the sensational seventies is fantastic. It's it's a massive book, um, and it and they they put the subtitle is a decade of changing tastes and new directions, whatever that means. But basically, what you've got is is um, four hundred pages of colour pictures of cars and brochure pictures. So that's all I needed to do. I just I just thought, well, I'll just throw that open because all the vehicles from that era are just magnificent. Obviously, it's all faux wood V8 engines um, and absolutely massive... You know amount of space, mm. um, and uh, also, I mean, I think people should realize is that it wasn't, you know, th- these weren't just I know they were massive, but they they also had lots of seats in them. You could get them with optional seating, I think up to nine people in these station <laughs> wagons, as they say. So, uh, if you had a very large Mormon family, I think you get everybody on board one. There um, were certain nine British sized
1: people, European sized people, and nine American sized people.
0: Well, I presume um, they're nine American sized people. Um, oh, but, uh, you know, I mean, something like, I mean, there you go. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm in 1970 because this book is in chronological order, and I'm looking at uh, a, a Pontiac uh, executive Savari, Um, and it, yeah, it came in six and nine passenger versions, amazing. And the faux wood mm-hmm. uh trim and roof rack was $84, and there you go. And it's got it's got like six. Um, headlamps at the front it's just an amazing car so yeah I, I i just go through this um i mean things got a bit more depressing by the time you got to the 70s and uh, uh by the end what am i looking at here an Oldsmobile custom cruiser station wagon uh again you've still got uh, some faux wood going on um but you but at least you've still got a v8 but it's it's not as exciting looking it's a bit too uh right angle and squared but uh yeah you are right these are magnificent magnificent vehicles which uh you know before we had um sort of family vans which again this was something which was very much invented in america hmm. you had characterful hmm. estates which were absolutely huge uh they're the wrong size for over here but over there uh, they were absolutely perfect um, yeah and, uh, absolutely have you got any experience with them
1: david um only seeing them in movies etc i mean, movies, et hmm. I, mean I, thought I would say as well you know, the, the gas guzzlers they're yeah. not particularly stylish cars. Mm. Uh, they don't handle very well. But you think of the American dream, James. You've, yeah. you've got the nice house in the suburbs. You've got a lake behind it. Mm. You've got the fragrance of pine in the air. You've got long summers, mild winters. And you've got your station wagon with wood panelling parked out of the door. That's it. And you've got children singing, riding around, bikes, etc. That's the American dream. Thanks to movies, uh, station wagons were part of that. That formed part of the, you know the quintessential American dream. I mean, you think about it, you go, You watch a film from, say, even the 80s, you know, you would probably have a station wagon in it, and when the prominent characters or someone linked to a prominent character would happen. It could be the mother of a teenage protagonist or, you know, the eccentric uncle, or it could be the family heading off to the weekend cabin. There were all sorts of tropes in those movies and the station wagon played uh, a big part in it. Um, That's
0: right. And, and all, I mean, also, I could be married to Catherine Ross, couldn't I, as well? Oh yeah, no. <laughs>
1: are we thinking of the Stepford Wives You see are we?
0: <laughs> um, was she in the Stepford Wives? She might have been. Um, I think yeah, she might I, have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they remade it a few years ago. It's a bit rubbish, but uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, was not was good. good. Yeah,
1: um, but then you had at the end of the seventies, <clears throat> into the eighties. Yeah, tell me, I think it was quite a remarkable car. I, I, I like it. it. Was the EMC Eagle? Came yeah. In. And think about this, folks. It looked like a station wagon, but it had higher ground clearance. It had a switchable uh, four-wheel drive system, so it could be two-wheel drive, a four-wheel drive. I don't think it had a V8 engine. I think it was a V6 was the biggest you got. Um, there was wood trim, wood door trim, uh wood drain, shall we say, in some models. And you know, it was a crossover, really, before there was a crossover. So a really, really clever car, uh, indeed. And uh, they sold reasonably well, but AMC was... Obviously, it was the smallest of the big American manufacturers. They never quite had the funds to do things the way they wanted
0: to. Uh, which what, which what is the, it was it? actually as I as as I thumbed through my cars of the sensational seventies, yeah, um, uh, there was an AMC Matador station wagon. No huh. um, which uh, which, I, which was basically very related to the uh, Pacer, wasn't it? Um, and actually, that's I would say is more furiously ugly than the Pacer. Uh, an AMC mat- <laughs> Matadu, really. Yeah, but they also um, made
1: the Gremlin as well, don't forget. They
0: did, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's those right. were a couple of the flops.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But they did do, but they, at least they were brave enough to do different things, James. Yeah. Well, and, um, that's right. And that's the thing. But going back to the station wagons, um, I mean, are they as good as the image that was portrayed? I don't think they were. But you know what? I think i have still got something. I like them. I really do like
0: them. Yeah, I do, and I've just noticed that AMC even offered a combination of Levi's trim, so you could basically, <laughs> you could basically, uh, uh, sit on a pair of jeans. How nice is that?
1: Well, let's go back to the old uh, Volkswagen uh, Volkswagen Beetle jeans, isn't it, with the denim seats?
0: Yeah. there you um, go.
1: Yeah, so everything comes round. I mean, everything is interlinked. There's no originality, James. Mm. Everything is interlinked in some way. It is, but, yeah, yeah, these but these cars, yeah, the station wagons, yeah, I like them, and you do too. So I think we'll take a break on that note, shall we? This is Bangers and Classics, the podcast that's so far off-grid that there, well, isn't actually a grid. So, James, we are now back after another break, and we were going to talk about cars that were sold in this country but were available elsewhere under different names. And I'm going to give you one to kick you off. It's the Lancia Scorpion, which we've talked about before in the podcast, which uh, was the American name for the Monte Carlo and. It wasn't just the name that changed, it changed quite a few things, not least of which was the engine. The, the Scorpion was uh, saddled with an 81 horsepower engine, whereas the Monte Carlo uh, had 120 horsepower. They added weight to the Scorpion, uh, changed the front end styling, and gave it some really ugly bumpers, and consequently it didn't sell, uh, which is a pity. But uh, yeah, so the Monte Carlo, if you want to buy one in America, it was a Scorpion, and it was a Scorpion that had no sting in the tail. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you badum-tish. did there, David yeah yeah but yeah <laughs> I probably yeah. nicked that from the book I wrote or something I don't know what I'm like yeah recycle stuff it's got to be recycled that's oh, you've it we are good for the environment in this this podcast yeah so you want to hit me you want to hit the listeners with
0: one James yeah uh, yeah I've only got two really <laughs> um <laughs> but you see look I can go back to cars of the sensational 70s oh. a decade of changing oh. tastes and new directions and uh uh, under the Mercury banner, um, they sold uh, the Ford Capri, so you yeah. get yeah, a Mercury uh, uh, Capri, um, which was quite interesting. Uh, it didn't sell terribly well there, and uh, it was actually quite expensive because the Capri 2, they say, when well, it was, it was four thousand one hundred and seventeen dollars, which was regarded as quite a lot of money. You could probably buy a Cadillac for that. Mm. So uh, that was quite uh, interesting, but it was um, an interesting variant because they had the uh, double headlamps, didn't they, on them? Um as opposed to the yeah. single ones that we had uh, over here. And um you and you could also get them in um sort of uh, JPS colours as well. You could get um, black gold colour schemes uh, on them as well.
1: Yeah. Um, I saw yeah. I saw one at um at at the hill climb a few years ago and got a right. photograph of, yeah, I took a photograph mm. of it somewhere. Mercury Capri because it was an unusual car to see Yeah. So. You certainly don't see many of those about if you, if you don't see many four or fives about these things are obviously no.
0: <laughs> even thinner
1: in the ground. Yeah. No, um, that's
0: right. So that I, I always uh, found quite interesting. And the, and the other thing, um, and it's strange that we should have already mentioned it, well, you've mentioned it uh, on the podcast, um, is obviously the Hillman Hunter stroke Minx uh, stroke Arrow series, which, um, yeah, was found uh, in, in Iran in rather large numbers mm. as the... Uh, uh pecan i don't know how you pronounce it yeah
1: pecan yeah I think
0: yeah yeah and uh yeah um and that was uh i always found quite 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 fascinating my dad had one of those it was probably one of the most horrible cars ever oh pecan uh, um well it probably was um uh, I think it was probably quite a good basic car, but um, I don't know if you've ever been inside um, uh, an Arrow Series that mm, uh, yeah, wasn't that wasn't a Humber. But I mean, I've never felt you know plastic, you know, you know plastic fumes from everything there. It was just you know the seats were so plastic, the, just everything about it was just uh, synthetic, and it was it was quite grim. So it was really plastic and rust uh, which <laughs> made that car up. But yeah. yeah, my dad only had it for a few years, and it was, in you know, after about two or three years, it was just rusty as anything. It was terrible, really <laughs> awful cars. But uh, it probably in the in a slightly more benign climate of um, uh, the Middle East, uh, I think it did. I think it did a bit better.
1: Yeah, my uncle had um, several hunters. He'd uh, I remember having mm. I mean, a Hunter GLS with uh, the whole beach tuned engine. Yeah, and it went pretty well, as I recall. Mm. I was only I really was only in single figures uh, back then. But you know, yeah.
0: memories of it are are good ones. You know, as well, it was a car that actually won the a um, uh, uh, London to Sydney rally in 19- mm. I think it's nineteen sixty nine. Was seventeen? Um, was, was it not? I was it? Say. I don't know. It was about, it Was
1: Andrew? Yeah. I know. I know. It was Andrew Cowan. It was, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Who later became the boss of Mitsubishi Rally Art in Europe? Mm. Um, sadly, passed away two years ago. Because um, I actually met him at uh, the opening of the new Jim Clark Museum at Duns. Oh, well. And took a photograph of him. To, mm. He was very gracious to let me take his photo for a mm. uh, magazine I was writing for. Yeah. And yeah, unfortunately, he, he wasn't well then. And, and uh, sadly, he passed away. But mm. I mean, he, he had a good innings. He was, well, he was over 80, and he certainly achieved a fair amount in his life. Oh, uh, yeah. and, and not least I mean, not that rally win, but it was far from the only rally he won. He, he seems to have specialized and done very well in longer mm. distance rallies and really enduring yeah. stuff. Yeah, you were talking about Chrysler. Obviously, just a very simple example of cars with different names. Over here, the car was a Chrysler Alpine. In France, it was a Simca 1307, 1308. And then, of course, you had, again, sticking with the same people, you had the uh, Hillman Avenger, which became the Chrysler Avenger, which became the Talbot Avenger. But in America, it was the Plymouth Cricket. Yeah. And (laughs) it didn't sell very well over there, unfortunately. Uh, And you had the MR2 uh, over here. And then Toyota in France it's told the Toyota MR. because we say MR2 in French? It sounds like a, a swear word. Yeah. So they couldn't do that. And uh you know, the other example a couple of other examples obviously you'd various opals change the name over here. You'd Escona was a cavalier and the cadet was a Chevette. And, you know, in the Matra Rancho, our old friend yeah. in, in Italy, it was just called the Matra Ranch. Oh. Yeah, they dropped the o. I have no idea why that was. Uh, maybe it fell off because of corrosion. Yeah, good enough. Shocking, um, shocking, shocking. And um, of course, then you had the MX-5, which uh, various um, territories was called the Unis or the Miata. Or it says here, and I don't know who put this here, Rust Bucket. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm apologizing again. It's, it's, it's just my traditional go at the MX-5. It's just purely in fun. Well, sort of anyway yeah but there's lots of other cars like that and it can be quite fun to look them up how cars names and designations change from territory to territory uh moving on from cars that uh, are called different things in different territories i'm going to talk about a car that never actually came to the uk even though it was a british leyland product and that car was a leyland p76
0: do you know much about them james not a huge amount i do remember it very clearly at the time it was a it was it was a very big story um because obviously uh you know Leyland were building a uh, a brand new car a long way away and a lot of the speculation was uh, is it going to come here i as i remember mm. uh, but i think all it is is uh, another demonstration of how inept uh, british Leyland were at marketing and just thinking, you know, or, or, or product planning, really, because um, you know they never did anything else with it. It was an Australia-only car. Australia was was a very tiny market then, um, and you you sort of wonder what the what what the point of it was if you weren't going to. I know bits of it ended up in the SD1 Rover, which we discussed last last time, um, but uh, it was a sort of a, just a big daft car, wasn't it? Uh, designed yeah, to compete with um, those American. Cars. There was the Chrysler Valiant, wasn't there, and uh, uh, the full Fairlane, I think, uh, yeah. Falcon, rather, uh, which they had over there. Mm.
1: It was designed for the Australian market, and yeah. styled by Michelotti. And it was one mm. of his off days, I think. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it, it looked—I mean, it didn't look like an Italian thoroughbred and working clothes, It looked more like a, a sort of super-sized nineteen seventies Datsun, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, not a handsome car, but a decent specification. It was lighter than its similarly sized competitors in Australia, which was really obviously important for fuel economy. And you could have two engines, you could have a, a straight six which was two point six litres, and a four point four litre V eight, which was uh, derived from the three and a half litre V eight that was overused in the UK. And you know, I actually like got off to a good start, James. Mm. The V eight version took Fuels, yeah. which is an Australian car magazine, it took their car of a year award. But and typical British Leyland style, <laughs> guess what happened? In come some strikes. I think it was mainly component suppliers. To be fair, mm. then it was poor build quality, and we know what happened. There were plans to bring it to the UK, mm. and they never did. There's no point in bringing it here because we all know what happened in the late '73-'74 with the energy crisis. Yeah. So bringing a car of that size, you know, a big hulking gas guzzler by British standards, though not by Australian, wasn't going to work. It was you know it was it was born out of time for that. Not his fault. But that's it. So it didn't really do anything. It was only produced for a short time. They made about 18,000. And then we're going to do um a station wagon version. Let's go back to station wagons. There was going to be a station wagon version of it. They made three of them. And I think one still survives. They also made what was effectively, if you imagine this, a British Leyland muscle car. Mm. Uh, but the hatchback was called the Seven. the coupe version of the P76. They did build a few more of those. They built 56 of them. Ended up crushing most of them, but there's about ten of them left. Um, quite an interesting looking car. Certainly looks a lot better than mm. you know the saloon P seventy six. Check those out if you can. The, the, there's plenty of pictures up on the web. Uh, every now and then one comes up for sale down under, but an interesting car. But I mean, destined to go nowhere. The, you know, the entire production one, is the same as fifty six pre production cars, of course. And uh, BL in their usual wisdom decided to scrap most of them, and that was that. So, you know, British Leyland's haplessness sadly wasn't confined to the Northern Hemisphere. They managed to do pretty much the same in the Southern Hemisphere. So, you know, um, I I was nearly saying something political there. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to behave myself. But yeah, um, let's just say that British Leyland's uh, roots go deep uh, in one sense. Anyway, so I think that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, There's one more thing we're going to do today. But we're not doing it for today, as it were. Uh I haven't told James about this yet. <laughs> He's just about to find out. <laughs> It'll only take two minutes. Um but but in the meantime
0: Well, you, well, you say that, David? I mean you, you said these podcasts would only take two minutes and I'm you know, I'm, you know, I'm talking to you for about ten or twelve hours sometimes. Terrible. I know, I know,
1: it's that's it. Well, it's, it's just it's your silver tongue sophistication, James. It's irresistible. You know, we we, we have to keep you on air. I have to keep you online as it were, yeah. Right. That's it. You know, to make up for my shortcomings. I mean, well, not that you could, I mean nobody could. But you come closer than anybody else, of course. He says, you know, spreading the butter thickly on the toast. Yeah. Uh, but on that note, uh thanks very much for listening. Hope to see you next week. Yeah, thanks for turning up
0: and uh, see you next time. You're not writing off into the sunset in a four o five, James, this week. Uh, not in a four o five. I'm uh, I'm going with Catherine Ross to the local garage with my uh, new Polish exhaust.